welcome back to our series we're calling Peace on the Parkway, where we are learning how to have the peace of God, the peace we need on the pressurized parkway of life. And we're learning through what God says about peace through the Apostle Paul in the fourth chapter of his letter to the Philippians. Now, here's a summary of Paul's peace points that we have studied so far. Starting with number one, to have the peace of God, I must have peace with God through my personal belief in Jesus and what he did on the cross for me. Two, God's peace grows in me as I grow in making peace with others. Three, I receive God's peace as I give God my worries in prayer. Four, God's lasting peace comes with the lasting joy of his indwelling spirit. And number five, dwelling in God's peace becomes possible as my mind dwells on good things. Now that leads us to today and Paul's sixth and final peace point, which I'd like to share with you, but it's a secret. Thankfully, it's the kind of secret that God wants you to know about and apply to your life starting right now. Paul writes about this secret in Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul says that he has learned the secret. Don't you love that word? Paul has learned the secret of contentment by calling it a secret. What Paul is doing is he is expressing that this is something that he has experienced that very few people in life ever experience. And it is so true. Contentment in life is so rare that many of us have no idea how discontent we are or how much our discontent in life prevents us from experiencing God's peace. What is discontent? Discontent is a pervasive dissatisfaction derived from a negative focus on what I have or what I don't have. Discontentment, it's like a pervasive weed that grows into every area of life and chokes out the joy in every area of life. Yet so many of us have this discontent and we don't even know it. So how about you? Are you discontent? Well, let's test it, all right? And I'm not gonna start by asking you if you're satisfied with your house or your spouse. No, 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 I'm gonna ask you, about something much more personal. Uh, let's start with something that belongs to you and to nobody else. Uh, let's start with how satisfied you are with something that you have and no one else has. And so here's the question. How satisfied are you with your body and how it looks? Okay, uh, tell you what. Think of something that, about your body that you really like. 
turn to your neighbor and just blurt it out. Blurt out what you love about your, actually I'm kidding, don't do that. Don't do that. Because, and, and, and also don't look at your person next to you and think of something you like about their body and blurt it out. Don't, this is church people, all right, come on. Uh, The point is, is that studies show this, and that is that our discontent is so pervasive, it starts with ourselves, and then it radiates into every area of life. When we're asked what we like about our bodies, we can't think of anything. Oh, ask us what we dislike about our bodies, and we've got a long list. Ask us what we dislike about our jobs. Oh, we we can tell you. Oh, what we dislike about our circumstances, we can list uh, the things that are going wrong, not working, disappointing, imperfect, and annoying. But then, when we're asked what we're thankful for, what we're grateful for, what's going great, what's a blessing in our lives, um, mm, this discontent, this lack of gratitude chokes out everything good in our lives and prevents us from experiencing the peace of God. But there's a secret. There's a secret. The Apostle Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in want or in plenty. I have learned the secret. What a profound Statement And one of the reasons this is profound relates to Paul's implication that contentment is required as much for affluence as it is for adversity. Contrary to what everybody thinks, more than finding contentment in adversity, we need to find the secret of contentment in affluence and plenty. The communities where we live along the Merritt Parkway are famous, you know. They're famous for an affluence that breeds discontent in us in at least two ways. First, living in affluence lures me into a never-ending search for material satisfaction. When I have a good-paying job, uh, I'm never content. Because I'm always thinking about what I could do with just 10% more in my paycheck. Then it's 20% more. And then it's, you see, it never ends. It starts with, when I can buy a house, then I'll be happy. Then when I can remodel this house, then I'll be happy. When I can have a vacation house on the lake, then I'll be happy. When I can remodel this vacation house on the lake, then I'll be happy. You see how it never ends? It's a never-ending search. It's never-ending because our material desires are infinite. Now, there's a second way. There's a second way that our affluent area breeds discontent in us, and that is jealous comparison. In an affluent area like ours, there's always someone who has better stuff than us, who seems to have a better life than we have. How can I be content when he's got the car that I want? How can I be content when she's got the clothes that I want? How can I be content when he's got the vacation I want? 
How can I be content when she's got the marriage and the kids that I want? You see how there is no end to this? That once I start comparing what I have or don't have with what other people have, then there is no end. My discontent is this infinite void. It's a bottomless pit. And that gets us to the secret, Paul's secret. What is Paul's secret for contentment in every circumstance? The secret of contentment is learning that the infinite void of my discontent is satisfied only in a relationship with the infinite person, Jesus Christ. And Paul is referring to this very truth when he says those famous words from Philippians 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And this is one of the most powerful statements in all of Scripture. This statement will change your life, and it will, if you understand it correctly, live in you with complete peace. But this is also one of the most misunderstood statements in all of Scripture, and it can actually lead you, if you misunderstand it, in the opposite direction of God's peace. Evander Holyfield, uh, was the boxing heavyweight champion in the 90s. Evander also loves the Lord and loves telling people about him. And so at the peak of his career, Evander had his satin boxing robe embroidered and emblazoned with Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And in 1996, he wore this robe to a worldwide press conference and announced that he would beat Mike Tyson because God was on his side and that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And guess what? Evander Holyfield won that fight. But then two years later, Evander wore the same robe to a, the same kind of press conference with the same boast that I can't lose because I, am, I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength. And Evander got beaten up, and he lost his heavyweight championship to Lennox Lewis. Now, I don't want to nitpick with my brother Evander. Um, you know, I understand that if I'm a boxer, uh, there's not too many Bible verses that I can put on the back of my robe. You can't be put on the back of my robe. I'm going to turn the other cheek. You can't put that on the back of your robe. Uh, so I'm not going to nitpick. I'm just going to say that when Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul was not saying, I'm a winner who can accomplish anything I want or that God is on my side. I can't lose. Or with Jesus, if I can dream it, I can do it. No. When Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, all things does not refer to accomplishments. All things refers to circumstances. Paul is saying that when it comes to circumstances, all circumstances, whether good, bad, or very bad, I can be content. When Paul wrote, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, Paul was in a very bad circumstance. Paul wrote those words in a dark, 
disease-filled prison after being beaten for sharing the love of Jesus. So Paul certainly was not saying, if I can dream it, I can do it. No, Paul was saying, I found the secret of being content even here in this dark prison cell. I have God's perfect peace because I have the strength-giving trust relationship with this infinite person, Jesus. Now, I found this simple drawing that uh, depicts the difference between what we think Philippians 4.13 means and what Paul meant. So on the left, you've got a guy holding up a trophy and a bag of money, and that's what we think it means to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We think that it's contentment by asking Jesus for more success and more accomplishments and more comfortable circumstances, and that is wrong. Then, on the right, you have Paul in his prison cell with chains on his feet, and Paul lifts up empty hands to Jesus in praise and gratitude and complete contentment to Paul. The secret of contentment is not asking Jesus for a more comfortable prison cell. It's not for more accomplishments. It's not for a better social life. Paul knows that the infinite void inside him can never be filled with stuff. Paul's secret is that he fills up this infinite void inside with the infinite person of Jesus in a trust relationship with him where Paul is confident that Jesus cares for him and so he has no worries even in prison where Paul is so loved by God that he's not comparing himself to other prisoners in the prison cell. He's not comparing himself with anyone else because Paul trusts Jesus in a daily relationship with him. He is so satisfied because Jesus fills him up and that doesn't, it means nothing about where he is or what circumstances he's in. So the question is, you, when you wake up tomorrow morning, which side of this depiction are you living in? Will you try to fill the infinite void with finite stuff, or will you choose to fill the infinite void with someone infinite? I woke up this morning with a normal feeling for me. It felt like sadness, but more like hunger than anything else. The closest word for it is empty. Whatever the feeling was, I wanted it to go away. Within an hour of waking up, this feeling's usually gone. Coffee can do it catching up on sports, and by the time I check my email, I'm good. At least I'm full for the present. The feeling, whatever it was, is gone. But quite easily, I slip back into the emptiness, if not the next hour, the next day. Technology gives me the quickest, most instantly gratifying fill. That's why I like social media. All I really need is one like on Instagram, and I'm golden. Facebook can do it too, as long as it's about me. And I look on Twitter to get my sarcasm fill for the day. It doesn't really take much, 
but it doesn't really last long either. If social media doesn't do it, music always fills me up, especially when I'm driving. I got my tunes, the open road, and I can listen to whatever I want. I rock the same songs over and over again. I was empty. Now I'm filled. I have millions of ways to fill up. I didn't even mention TV, movies, or beach vacations, alcohol, cars, home improvements, accolades at work. Whatever I want, I can have it. With the touch of a button or the drop of a hat, the world is at my fingertips. I can fill myself with whatever I want, cash pending. All I have to do is convince myself that it's good to eat and desirable for food. Then it's just a matter of plucking my choice fruit from the tree. No wonder I don't need God to be filled. I'm already full. That's our big question today. What fills you up? You've got an infinite void inside you. What fills you up? You will never experience God's peace on the parkway if you're running on fumes. You will never experience God's peace if you are running on the cheap fuel of temporary little distractions and diversions. You'll end up living on empty. But the infinite Jesus in a relationship with him will fill you up. With Jesus, there's always food and fuel ahead on the parkway of life. This is the secret to contentment. The secret is a trust relationship with Jesus that fills me up with his strength in both adversity and in affluence. That's what Paul means by, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Strength. So what's the, que the, the big question? How do I experience Jesus' strength in my life? Can I share a uh, personal story with you here? And I, I ask your permission because my story that I'm going to share with you is actually a little tiny story in a much larger BlackRock story. Uh, and in this story that kind of leads us to where we are today as a church, um, I'm not the hero of faith in the story. Uh, it's a lot of BlackRock people uh, who really have trusted God over many years. The story begins well over a decade ago when we had a problem here at BlackRock. We had a problem uh, that was a lack of facility space. And so every week, uh, people wanted to come for worship, uh, but we had to turn them away. We had to turn away kids and adults because we had no room here at BlackRock. Uh, every week, uh, we were like in our building trying to put 20 pounds into a, a 10-pound bag. And so together, we dreamed of a, a new building. Uh, together, we raised money, and we bought adjacent land, and we uh, brought our plan to the town of Fairfield. It was a plan uh, that was within all the zoning and wetland uh, laws and guidelines, but yet we faced extreme opposition. 
Now, let me fast forward uh, to a hallway. I'm in a hallway outside of a room where there is a public hearing going on on our project, and it, the room is filled with uh, faces of opposition. Uh, there were a lot of good BlackRock people who did a lot of work throughout the whole project, including uh, preparing for our case that night. And my one small job uh, was to be the public face and the public voice of our project. Uh, my one job was to represent BlackRock and Jesus well in front of all this opposition. But the opposition in that room was so large and so loud, and uh, this room was full of neighbors who were, uh, were opposing us. Inside that room were lawyers who, I am sure, were all lawyered up uh, and looking forward to trying to tra entrap me or make me say the wrong thing, and inside this room were a bunch of photographers and TV cameras with mics ready to be uh, put uh, in my face to demand answers, and inside that room was the Wetlands Commission. Uh, who wanted to put a permanent end to our project. And in that hallway, I felt this overwhelming sense of stress and pressure and inadequacy and powerlessness that made me afraid to walk into that room. And I remember praying those words of, of Paul here, we're studying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, who gives me strength. And in that moment, I said, Jesus, I need your peace. I need your strength. And there was a moment, a definite moment, when I experienced this peace of God and the strength of Jesus. And I wanna tell you about it. But to do so, I need to take you back to the Old Testament. Uh, in the book of Exodus, uh, God led his people out of slavery in Egypt and to the shores of the Red Sea. And meanwhile, Pharaoh changed his mind that he wanted his slaves back, and so he went charging after God's people with a huge army. And uh, God's people looked up, and they saw that they were trapped, that they were trapped between the Red Sea and this huge army of opposition. And they said, God, show us your strength. God, give us peace. And God said, trust me and step into the water. When they stood on that shore, they had no strength from God. They had no peace from God. But as soon as they stepped into the water, God parted the Red Sea. And to double down on this lesson, uh, years later, the only thing that was separating God's people from the promised land was an uncrossable river. And they said, God, please give us strength, give us peace. God said, trust me and step into the water. And as soon as God's people stepped into the water, God parted the Jordan River. I find it interesting that just like uh, Blackrock, uh, God's Old Testament people seem to have a lot of problem with wetlands. Uh, and when I stood in that hallway, I can tell you, I asked God for peace to go into that room of opposition, but I did not sense God's peace or strength in that hallway. The moment that I sensed God's strength and peace is when I trusted Jesus and stepped into that room. We have been talking about peace for seven weeks, but now is the time when you must decide whether you are gonna just talk about God's peace 
or whether you're really going to be different in this world because you live in God's peace. It's not enough just to know about the secret of contentment. You will never experience this contentment unless you step into the water. You will never experience God's peace unless you step into a daily trust relationship with Jesus. And I don't know what kind of room you're facing today. I don't know whether it's a room of intimidation or uncertainty about your future. I don't know whether it's a problem that you face that makes you feel powerless. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a situation that is so far beyond you that you are just weakened with anxiety. You will never experience God's peace in the hallway. You must step in a trust relationship with Jesus into that room. Maybe you're facing a broken relationship, a conflict, and you will never experience the peace of God unless you step by faith and extend forgiveness or maybe extend a peacemaking hand. Maybe today you are just tired you're tired of panic on the parkway. You're tired of running on fumes. You're tired of living on empty. You're tired of being powerless with, to anxiety and discontent and fear in your life. You want to live the secret, which is the last of Paul's peace points in Philippians 4. God's peace is the inner contentment found exclusively in a daily trust relationship with Jesus. Right now, Jesus is coming after you because Jesus is passionate about you experiencing his peace. He doesn't want you just to talk about it. He wants you to really live it. So Jesus is calling you. He's coming after you to lead you into the situation that you are so powerless in, and he's going to go with you as you trust him, and as you go in together, he's going to be holding your hand. He's going to be holding you in every way, giving you his peace. He's offering you this secret to life that you're longing for. Just receive him. Receive God's life-changing peace as you step into a trust relationship with him. Let's pray. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.